This is Vin Armani of Cointext and Countermarkets, and you're listening to Milk from CoinSpice. now forever uh the 800 pound gorilla in the room of course is do you prefer short skirts or t-shirts are you on the bleachers are you a cheerleader do you wear sneakers or high heels that's such a good question um i mean she she wears short skirts Uh, i wear uh t-shirts oh my gosh um so are you a T-Swift fan or are you just like trolling me right now? Because I don't I'm think, I could, it. I, I I don't think I could take it if you turned, flip this and you were like, actually, I don't like Taylor. You, you would break my heart. It's not that I don't. Actually, I have a lot of respect for her, but you're the only person I could ask this question to in the crypto <laughs> space. So I figured we'll, we'll just get it out of the way. But uh, yeah, you know what? about the day when you find the budget looking for has been here the whole time. Oh, I love her so much. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, I just uh, I caught one of your one of your videos uh, quite a while back. I guess you were going to see her live. And you, oh yeah, that, yeah, her concert was so great. The reputation tour. I actually so I um uh, shush computer. Um, I actually went there uh, just going to the concert, but I figured that it's an entirely different demographic to Bitcoin. I mean, you think of Bitcoin, you generally don't think of Taylor Swift fans, right? It's like, not the right. same people are interested. So I was like, okay, if we're looking towards mainstream adoption, first of all, you've got this incredible influencer has, who has the ability to mobilize huge swaths of the population to buy exorbitantly priced concert tickets and all of this merchandise and, you know, just follow her for years and years, this loyal fan base. Like, I wonder what it would take for this group to be mobilized uh, to like cryptocurrency. So I went there and I asked them, like, do you know anything about Bitcoin? Do you, are you interested in it? Most people, I mean, it was 95% of people were like, I don't really know what it is. I've kind of heard of the word before. But then I asked them the question, you know, if Taylor Swift put out her own coin, or let's say she put out digital assets in her Swift Life app, and there were sticker packs, you know, but they actually had monetary value, and then you could trade them in at the store for merchandise or discounts on tickets, things like that. Is that something you'd be interested in? And everyone unanimously was like, yes, absolutely. I would love that. So, I mean... It's not too far removed that we're going to get huge swaths of the population start to get involved with this once artists and, you know, influencers like Taylor Swift, for example, get on board and start to, to realize the incredible potential that these uh, unique digital assets can have. And, you know, before I can, I can kind of uh, 
see the eyes rolling here with some of my audience members, but <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're onto something. Look because... at Crypto Kitties. Look, why would I have a QR code <laughs> on my phone that is just like a ticket when I could actually have the actual ticket as a unique digital asset, right? right. Why, why just give me a, a piece of paper that could be scanned and copied or whatever? Like we could actually, I mean, it's, it, it's, seems obvious that this is going to be the next step whether whether your audience is rolling their eyes or not um i definitely think <laughs> something that you're going to have artists all over the world capitalizing on uh, and and you know she swings a mighty mighty sword that girl woman i oh, should say yeah. um she i mean some people are saying here in the united states that she actually had an impact on the midterm elections so yeah i mean they do what was it like she got seventy thousand people to enroll to vote in her area or something crazy like it's it's funny like i mean it's hard to know what kind of an impact someone like that has um but you can tell like if she was able to change the policy of apple when they launched their music streaming service exactly. if she was able to change the policy of spotify um to have artists receive more of the money if she's i mean if she's able to mobilize people to go out and register to vote this is this is incredible power whether you like her or not and whether she's on your side or not so i mean it's important that that people like that get educated about what this stuff is before they maybe go out and, and promote things that, that are going to make a, a difference in people's lives. Like I just hope that if she does get on board, then it's, uh, it's for good reasons, you know? Yeah. And I think for our community and I'm, I'm talking here niche within a niche within a niche. Um, <clears throat> I can't believe with women being what 51% of the population, no matter how you shake it out, Shake it up. <laughs> Listen, you're the one who started this. I podcast, did. So I did. I totally did. Me. I was. I was not expecting. Like, hey, come on my crypto podcast. It'll be crypto. They said. <laughs> said. You want to talk about uh, exa hashes and uh, prices? <laughs> I want to talk Taylor Swift. Damn it. Um, <laughs> Am I like I, the only person you can have on your show and actually talk that with? That's right. That's right. And I think it's so important because what a lot of these, and of course I'm, I, I love the devs. I love all the tech nerds. I love all those guys, but that there aren't, that there's not a significant movement within our community. I, I mean, like, like a real, like breakthrough one, like a, like a, I don't want to call it the business cause then people are going to get mad at me but like a giant crypto business that isn't specifically targeting women. Now, whatever that means, you know, I, I have no idea, you know, what, what that would mean. I just know it would be different. And I think, well, I think that it's the difference also between the engineers selling the product and salespeople selling the product, right? So I like the analogy that, um, you know, when you go to a car dealership, it's not the engineer on the showroom floor because what they're interested in is entirely different to what the average consumer is interested in. That's you know, right. you have the engineer on the floor and they'd be like, oh, this uh, twin piston engine uh for, uh, I mean, I don't even know. Buzzword, buzzword, fan belt, fan belt. Um, but if you have the showroom salesman 
on the floor. He's going to be saying, oh, well, look at these cup holders over here. And the uh, steering wheel is heated. And it's just an entirely different right. uh, perspective, right? And I think it's the same with blockchain. Like if, uh, if you have a bunch of engineers who are trying to sell this, which has been like the first decade of Bitcoin, right? Um, then you're going to have a huge swath of the population who are like, I don't understand this. I don't get why it's relevant. Like, <laughs> you know, um, so I think it is important that that there are other people like actual salespeople. And when you bring up people like Taylor Swift, I think that she's done incredibly well in terms of marketing. Like her branding is spot on. It's actually um, amazing what, what she has built. It's like this giant empire that, um, you know, it spans all different genres and it's, it's quite, you know, it's really, really impressive what she's done. Um, but you can imagine applying that power to to blockchain tech. Like <laughs> you could you could just onboard five million young women right then. Like it's uh, that it's, that was really you know in all in, in all seriousness that was really why I brought it up. Why aren't there wallets with customizable skins? With um, well, just just to further your point, uh, I'm on Instagram and and my Instagram is is transactional. You know, like. Uh, I post our coin spice articles or, you know, I'm, I'm very, very not, you know, here's the kitty, here's stuff that's going on in my life. All the women in my life who use Instagram, they love the, the filters and the emojis and all the different ways that they can interact. They're, they're much more adept to the social part of social media. And I just can't believe that when the average wallet I download is this impersonal, you know, kind of medicinal, uh, I just, why, I mean, wouldn't you think, I mean, without getting into wallets in particular, wouldn't you think that a customizable wallet with a, a Taylor Swift background or, or, uh, you know, or, or, you know, whatever would just be, would just go through the roof and make it so much easier. Hey everybody, this is Caitlin Long, co-founder of the Wyoming Blockchain Coalition. You are listening to Milk on CoinSpice. Uh, for people. Well, I mean, yes and no. I can see where you're getting at, but if you look at what people are using at the moment, like, you know, it's, it's not like their credit card is customizable. They're all just using a, a thing, a bit of plastic, right? It's, right, right? it's probably blue. It's probably kind of ugly. Um, it's functional. Uh, cash, it's just functional. It all looks the same. I mean, someone's actual wallet that it's in, like the purse, yeah, you can, you can have that. But honestly, I think that that's even beyond where we are at the moment. People don't understand why they should be using cryptocurrency. I think that there's huge friction with onboarding people because they're like, hey, my visa works pretty well. Why don't I just stick with right. that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think talking about like uh, attracting people to cryptocurrency by, by giving them customizable wallets is, is probably the wrong track. First of all, you have to make them realize, like make them care about this thing. Uh, a lot of us got into crypto because we care about the financial autonomy that it gives us. We care about uncensorable money um you know that's not on everyone's like order of of priorities uh different people have different value systems they care about different things maybe some people are more interested in helping people in the third world or animal shelters or you know we just have to have to put aside what we think is most valuable about this and not expect to transfer our values onto everyone else instead reach out and find out what they find is most important you know figure out what's most important to them and then see well can cryptocurrency help that it probably can yeah, I, I totally, I, I totally agree. Um, and speaking just on that, we travel in some, some uh, right before we started recording, 
Um, I thanked you for being so warm at the uh, Freedom Fest gathering in Las Vegas this year, and you're the MC and, and all that good stuff. You, we we travel in kind of similar philosophical circles. You're also the uh, um, co-owner or, or co-founder of the Soho Forum with uh, Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. Um, Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. That is the first <laughs> time I've ever heard of it. But I am keeping that. That is I like that. Love that guy. Uh, the whole entire time we're interviewing him in Las Vegas. The whole entire time he's making googly eyes at my wife behind the camera. And he's just looking at me. He's like, if, if, you, if you leave for one second, I'm taking it. The entire time. He's so <laughs> hilarious. Um, oh, he's but, great. Yeah, I love Gene. So you work, so you're, you're in sort of what I would call loosely anarcho-capitalist, pretty radical financial circles. How the heck did you find that? <laughs> Actually, through Gene. So I, when I moved to the States around eight years ago-ish, um, I was always in, like, I started out studying economics uh, in college, but it was all Keynesian rubbish. And I, I dropped that pretty quickly and then did two arts degrees and then got to New York sort of <laughs> as an opera singer. And then, um, and then I just like, it, it was, was all this rhetoric was still flying around about the, um, the financial crisis. And I was super interested in that for some reason. And then I went to this talk and Jean was giving a talk. Um, at what was called the Junto, which is sort of like a precursor to the Soho Forum. And I, um, I saw him giving this presentation and my God, he was mentioning all these words I've never heard of and talking about Fannie and Freddie and talking about hard and talking about, you know, all of these, <laughs> these policies and Community Reinvestment Act and like all this stuff that I didn't know anything about because you don't hear about it in the mainstream media. In the mainstream media, you hear about greedy bankers and that's where the, the you know, narrative ends. You don't actually delve into the specifics of what actually caused the, the crisis and so listening to him, I was like overwhelmed and so impressed. So I wrote him this sycophantic email afterwards, like, Mr. Epstein, that was so great. <laughs> You're so smart. Is there any chance that you would be willing to sit down with me and have a chat with me? You know, I, I don't know anything about this. I studied economics briefly, but honestly, I'm a total beginner. Send me a reading list and uh, it could be as long as you want. I promise I'll read anything that you say to get me up to snuff so you're not wasting your time. So he did give me a reading list that consisted of Rothbard and Mises and Hayek and all of that. And then he sat with me for hours in his office at Barron's and we just chatted and he answered my questions and it was, it was wonderful. And then from there, like we became good friends and we started this economics, uh, Austrian economics reading group in New York and uh, it was the economic side that just really fascinated me and that's what really got me into like ANCAP spheres and and then in, into cryptocurrency when when that came around so um, yeah it was it was really just just learning from him and just realizing how much knowledge was out there that I had never been exposed to in college even studying this subject and uh, I got yeah I got super curious yeah it's it's interesting to hear that you went because I've, I've been hearing more and more people get into crypto and then they become radicalized. But you're, you've, you've, you came through it the way that I, I thought you might, which is through, um, through Rothbard and Mises and, and Hayek and those guys. Uh, that's, that's incredible. Um, we sort of touched on this a little bit and, and, and you know, your being a woman, I, I don't think should be emphasized or de-emphasized. It's just, you know, is what it is. But I think you occupy sort of rarefied air because not only are you obviously a woman, um, you're an entertainer, you're also an MC, but you, you can kind of work through 
these groups that in crypto pretty much are at each other's throats. I've seen you at conferences that if you mention the wrong names, everybody will get upset and vice versa. And I've seen you all over the place. Is being a woman in a, I mean, male dominated, let's put it mildly, uh, a male dominated feel like crypto kind of kind of an advantage? And, and I'll, I'll end with, with this one anecdote. Um, Pat Buchanan, his sister Bay, uh, was a, um, some sort of staffer in the Reagan administration, I believe. And they asked her about being a woman in a, in a largely male-dominated field. And she said, I love it. Because when the president comes in, he shakes you know, everybody's hand. But when he sees, oh, bang, and he gives me a hug and a kiss. And we have a very different relationship. Um, it, are, are, there, are these, is it your personality that allows you to kind of move from all these disparate groups and tribes within crypto? Uh, does your being a woman have anything to do with it? And that's a great question. Um, honestly, I think that it all has to do with your own personal outlook. Because, I mean, if you think about the, remember when the Miami uh, conference was out and there were all of these articles yeah. about these women who felt disenfranchised, who were saying there is no room for us, we feel out of place here, I, we think this is discriminatory. Like there were lots of people who were feeling like that. So I think yeah. you could come into this space with either attitude. You could come in and say, wow, there's no one that I can connect with here. I feel like these aren't my people. Um, you know, there, there needs to be more women for me to be able to feel at ease and then there are other people who say well I'm a rare person in this space and I'm getting more attention because of it like you know that it depends on your uh, attitude entirely and then people come into the space they they completely have um, blinders on to any sort of uh, sexual orientation and, or, or gender it's uh, they're, they're just like oh well you know let's just talk about the tech that's the most important thing and it, gender never really comes up so it really just does depend on the individual from my perspective, whether or not it's been an advantage for me, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it is. Like everyone has unique traits and that they use, you know, everyone has, has their own advantages, you know. Um, it, it's, it's really hard for me to peg how much is my, me being a female, how much is me having a background in Austrian economics or being like well-connected in, in economic circles before coming into crypto? Because I mean, there is a huge overlap in those worlds as well. A lot of people who were in crypto in the early days, they really did come from a libertarian background. They really did come from this sure. kind of cypherpunk background. Um, that's what most of my friendship circle in, in New York is uh, before I, and that's, and that's how I found out about Bitcoin because all of my friends were building gambling sites or, or trading in it or you know back back in early days so um so I do feel like whichever way you look at it I'm, I'm very lucky because I've just been surrounded by awesome people who have been so enthusiastic about this tech and just wanting to share it with people because they see the value in it so I'm in incredibly grateful to all of the people who introduced this to me because honestly I think that the Bitcoin is the biggest step towards freedom that we've seen in the last hundred years because so much of society is controlled by by money, right? You know, people who can control the money supply have all of the power. And the government's controlled the money supply for a really long time and they've had a mon monopoly on the money supply for a really long time. And suddenly we have uncensorable cash. And I think that is just so tremendously important um, that, you know, I, I, I'm incredibly grateful to the people who, who exposed me to that. And have you had just on the uncensorable... Um, idea. Have you had any? Um, I, I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm 
leading the witness to Tad here because I, I, I follow you, so I kind of know your answers already uh, to some of this. <laughs> um, but do you have you have have you taken an, an intellectual step back, uh, a sort of hooray for for everything crypto? Step back with this Bitcoin Cash hard fork. Um, it it has it rocked me a tad. Uh, it seems. Uh, uh, well, there are a lot of things right now that uh, I've taken a step back that I'm yeah. like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's, there are some scary things going on right now, uh, whether it is people from, from certain camps saying, well, we're just going to sue you and we're going right. to use these, these patents maliciously against you and people who just want to shut this down. Like, I like a world that is very open, where innovation rules. I don't like people competing by dragging others down. I like them comp competing because they have a better product. Uh, I don't like people saying like, listen, if, if I don't win, then no one gets to win. I'm going to drag you all down. Like we know right. who I'm talking about right now. And it, and it just really is disappointing to see that and not at all surprising. But what is surprising is the number of acolytes who are just blindly following this person who is so antithetical to what Bitcoin stands for. So that riles me up. But then at okay. the same time, you've got people outside of the crypto space, um, law enforcement who are watching this space closely and who are like, you know, ever, their, their grip on it is becoming ever stronger. And you see it just building up and up. Whether it's conferences you go to where they're just talking about more and more regulation and saying how it's just a given that you know there needs to be more government involvement in the markets and right. regulating the markets like what what does that even mean having an outside entity coming in <laughs> involving themselves in the markets like isn't that itself manipulation if if they're artificially changing things or monitoring things or picking and choosing who gets to do certain things because i mean that's the way the traditional financial markets work they get to pick winners and losers and it's an incredibly unfair system like, and then hi there this is andreas brecken i'm the ceo of shitcoin.com and you are listening to milk from coinspice now they want to impose that on the crypto space um and then at the same time i mean You've seen Bitcoin just drop so much in value this year, and they're also calling this year the year of crypto regulation. I don't think that that's coincidental at all, because this year you've seen, first of all, the SEC having this chilling effect on people who are trying to raise money through untraditional means. And people have now just kind of taken a step back and stopped. And you've also seen companies kind of take a step back and stop because people are just being being charged with all kinds of things. And the SEC is testing the waters there with these smaller cases. Is um, saying, oh, just you know, get this slap on the wrist and pay this fine. Basically, setting up precedents so that then eventually, I mean, they're going to be going up uh, larger and larger. People who've done ICOs and uh, and charging them, potentially sending them to to jail. Like they're trying to have an ever uh, stronger grasp uh, over the, the crypto space and control over it. And then you look at like FBI and you look at the tr Department of Treasury. They've just put sanctions on yep. Bitcoin addresses and uh, blacklisted certain people. You had one of those people just came out recently in an interview with Coindesk saying, actually, I'm innocent. I had no idea, you know, where these, what these funds, uh, where they came from what they were used for and the department of treasury didn't even reach out to me i just it was just announced that my name was on this blacklist that i've been sanctioned and really the government again that is just them seeing how far they could go like controlling this um the idea is just to say well this address is blacklisted to try and stop people from dealing with it and that's how they they can they can freeze people's money just by making it really hard for those people to to change money in and out i mean that's not saying that i agree with terrorism or anything but i am just saying that the government is 
uh, you know, it seems like they're getting more and more control in the, in the crypto space. So that does worry me as well. And so you, you've just framed it perfectly. And uh, we only have a few more minutes here before I have to let you go. But I wanted to. Okay, so but yet you still have because you you began with saying this is the most important invention in the last hundred years uh, in terms of uh, 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 money and and the technology surrounding it um, so give us give us the uh, the Bitcoin girl um, kind of crystal ball for the next ten years if if you had to guess in broad strokes, are you bullish are you bearish um, long oh, well, I mean I'm I would say I'm absolutely bullish, but it remains to be seen um, like in what way that's going to manifest. I mean, this, this technology has incredible potential for individual freedom, for example, and I think we're going to see that play out. I do think we're going to see this kind of vification of, uh, of worlds where one of it is, is this underground sort of dark world and the other is this heavily regulated uh, traditional finance world. And I do uh -huh. think we're going to see those worlds separate. I think you're going to see people gravitate. Uh, if they came into this, this space early on, they'll probably gravitate more towards more private oriented coins um, ones that have stronger encryption I mean when you have countries like Australia currently putting back doors into things and into software yeah. and giving people jail sentences if they let anyone know about it you know that we can't presume any of our devices or anything that we presume is end-to-end -end encryption is safe anymore because there are so many back doors that are be putting on so I think that we're just going to see some of society who really care about this just gravitate more and more increasingly to, to more secure methods of communication, more secure methods of payment. And then the rest of the world, honestly, they're probably going to be onboarded into a cryptocurrency that is controlled by government. We're going to have a Fed coin uh, where everything right. is tracked and we're probably not going to be allowed to use cash very soon. And that's a scary world. So I am very hopeful uh, that where, I mean, the tech sector always moves a lot faster than government. And I think that tech is always going to keep innovating and uh, stay one step ahead because governments are slow and cumbersome and bureaucratic and they're not quick to, to pivot uh, or implement uh, changes on new tech. So, I mean, luckily the, the, the tech sector probably is going to stay ahead, but it's not going to be like this given thing. It's going to be a constant battle that we're going to see. And actually, I'm, I'm working on a TV show at the moment that kind of looks at this, this constant battle between centralizers and, and decentralizers. And it's just a fascinating uh, concept. And the, the TV show is called The Hard Fork um, Series. So you guys can look that up if you're interested at, at um, hardforkentertainment.io. But definitely there is this upcoming battle between decentralizers and centralizers. And I think that's probably what we're going to see play out over the next 10 years. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly happening in the, in the Bitcoin cash space. And I think, um, <clears throat> I think it might have been Vin Armani this morning uh, who was talking about it, just saying, look, at the very least, we have a uh, social history experiment with the control. We now have, you know, two parts of, of roughly the same chain and one's going to go for government uh, uh, intervention and the other is not. So uh, we're going to well, see. Well, I mean, yep. I've, I've actually been fascinated by the Bitcoin Cash fork because it really, I mean, it's one of the most major things that I think has happened in the space in a while. Bitcoin is this totally wonderful, um, delicate balance between tech and economic incentives and, uh, you know, human, uh, human actions. So I think that 
we've seen the tech become more and more robust when when people are you know have been getting stronger encryption and and uh, and uh, just like i mean much better tech all around whether it's with privacy functions or you know every time there's a hack i think the tech becomes more robust and then this is the first time we've really seen that economic incentive and human action side of things play out and uh, there's been a giant battle on that side so it's been I, I mean I've been very interested in in watching this and it is interesting to see like you know Roger Ver just kind of step up and I would say that he he probably saved uh, <laughs> Bitcoin cash to be honest uh, just yeah, by stepping sure up and and uh, and helping out with the with the hash power there um, but then you see suddenly you, you've got people like Craig Wright saying, oh, well, we want proof of judicial power rather than proof of work, right? Um, saying like we would rather a government make decisions about, uh, about blockchain consensus rather than actually having actual consensus. So, I mean, that's been interesting that he's, he's needed to resort to that. And I'm interested to see how that will play out because even if a government rules in favor of, of N-Chain um, or what is it, United Corp or whoever's putting forth this lawsuit, right, right. <laughs> whatever, it's all the same people. But, um, but even if they, they do rule in favor of this, I mean, is, what's, what's going to actually happen? Blockchains don't exist in a certain way because certain people dictate that they do. They, it's all voluntary. It's of our own volition that we choose to use something. So I really don't see how they will be able to control this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Um, as you just heard, Naomi is, I think, pound for pound, one of the most important voices in the space. And it's because she has her, for lack of a better uh, word, tentacles in just about everything. She knows all the major players. She travels the world with conferences. So she hears all the projects, all the kooky ideas, all things going on. She knows movers and shakers. So when she speaks, it's, it, there's an authoritative um, expert-like uh, cadence that you're not going to really find. I, I say you're just unique. I mean, obviously that's, you know, I have to flatter you because you're a guest, but <laughs> I think you oh, really are. Oh, please stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really, so you start this off with Taylor Swift. What's going on here? Well, no, I, I, I honestly, I honestly think you're, you're a super valuable voice to listen to as an investor, as someone who's interested in cryptocurrency. I think you have a very, very unique perspective and uh, a really valuable one. So where can listeners find, where, where do you want them to find your work? Ooh, uh, two platforms at the moment. Uh, I would say on my YouTube channel, which is Naomi Brockwell TV. And I put out a new video every day, either interviewing uh, someone in the space or um, live streams, panels, talking about the news, all kinds of things. Sometimes cheesy music videos, because I can't help myself. <laughs> the um, one is awesome. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, and then the other site is bitbacker.io, which is a brand new platform. Uh, and I have a, a page on there, but it's basically like, is kind of mixed between Patreon for crypto and Super Chats for crypto. So I do all of my live streams through Bitbacker. And if you're an artist, I really, really encourage you getting on bitbacker.io, um, especially with so many people being deplatformed. More and more people right. in the crypto space are being uh, demonetized by YouTube. A lot of my videos are demonetized currently. So if you're a creator out there, I really, really recommend you, you check out bitbacker.io. 
And uh, yeah, currently they accept Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash and I know they're adding other currencies as well. And uh, it's not like a wallet. You don't actually give your key or anything. You don't set up a, a wallet there. You just put in your donation address and um, yeah, it helps facilitate uh, monthly transactions and power chats. Very, very cool. Well, I can't thank you enough. This has been, she's uh, about eight months in the making here to finally, uh, finally hook up with you. So I super appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. Uh, thanks so very much for coming on. I really appreciate you chatting with me. Thanks so much.